Hello. Thank you for showing up to our first podcast. It, we really appreciate it. You have no idea. We're so lonely. <laughs> We've been trying for three months to do this, guys. Three long months. We've lost people. I, it's been a long journey. I also forgot how to do research since high school, and it's, it's been only been rough. seven years. <laughs> I, I forgot how much I used to bullshit, because, you know, I can't bullshit. <laughs> and... can't bullshit on Thank you for listening. I am Rachel, and this is Grace. Hi, I'm Grace, and that's Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> and we are Myths and Misfortunes. Welcome to the show. So, a little bit about us. We have been friends for the past 15 years since we were wee little 10-year-olds. Yeah, fifth grade. It's yeah, just... A real long time. Now we're, now we're 25. Oh, well, almost. I'm almost 25. <laughs> You're almost 25. 25 I just turned soon. 25. Happy late birthday. Happy early birthday. Forgot to give you that time plant. It's okay. I still have to pull up the peppermint for you. No, it's okay. We are fans of true crime and paranormal. Me particularly with the paranormal. I love any and all weird. I also like the paranormal. I'm a little bit more of a... Um, um, Disbeliever? No. No. <laughs> a skeptic. Yes. A little bit more of a skeptic, just because I know people like to make stuff up a lot, because they... What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. This isn't going well. <laughs> um, you're a little bit of a skeptic, and as soon as you said you're a skeptic, something falls off from somewhere in here. Oh, that's what you would like me to think. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I like par- paranormal, um, but I'm more of a true crime person myself. I'm really into looking at stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, looking up true crime stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'm just creepy like that, you know. Just trying to plan a murder? or <laughs> No! <laughs> you know, Tumblr. No, oh no, no. I, I would never murder someone. Oh um, no, never. No, that's uh, ugh. <laughs> why. I just think it's so weird how differently people's brains work. I don't know. Well, yeah, and then you watch interviews with like um, all these serial killers, like Ted Bundy, and then there's this one that they have with Gary Ridgeway, and he just he sounds like there's something. It's just something wrong, and yeah, and well, there's a thing where like. You can, there are people who are like, oh, I knew he was creepy, like, and just listening to him, you can tell that he's creepy, but, like, for a lot of them, they're, like, they're so normal. Yeah. And listening to them speak, you're like, oh, it's just a normal dude. And even their neighbors and their family, they're, like, shocked, but they're actually fucking. But to be, to be fair, you don't want your neighbors or your family to be someone who's just so messed up that they will do something 
No, you don't want it, but <laughs> like, just think about how many murders you probably met in the past like couple of months alone. I don't want to think about that. I don't. Okay. I don't get out, so unless it's like, okay, well, how many at people work. at work are murderers, Rachel? <laughs> All right, so we're gonna tell you what's gonna happen in this podcast. Uh, usually, we will probably start with something like history. You yeah. Agree? Yeah, we're going to focus on uh one town or maybe small country at a time and we'll talk about the history first and then we'll move into one of our stories. Yeah. And um we are going to usually flip-flop hopefully. Hopefully, um, maybe <laughs> depending uh we've had a lot of issues with <laughs> flip-flopping who's going to do the paranormal and who's going to do murder/crime. Um so yeah, we'll see how that goes. If it doesn't turn out the way that we like, then we can just keep doing what we like or what we're best at. Yeah. Well, that'll be uh, later on. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, okay. I did the history this time, and our first episode is going to be about our home city, Louisville, Kentucky. Or, That's how you say it. Yeah, it is, it's Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Some people say Louisville or Louisville. It it's ain't Louisville. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not correct. It's Louisville. Um, but anyway, Louisville was chartered in 1780 and named Louisville in honor of King Louis the 16th. <laughs> <laughs> I should have written it out. Don't look at those. Uh, I should have written it Don't out. look at those Roman numerals. Just write it out. That's what I do. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to write that out real fast. <laughs> Okay, so, starting over. Louisville was chartered in 1780 and named in honor of King Louis XVI of France, who largely aided Americans in the Revolutionary War. Prior to the arrival of Europeans, the region was depopulated from the Beaver Wars. The Beaver Wars? <laughs> the Beaver Wars. Ah, I remember those well. <laughs> okay, it's not what you think. Like, because when I first read that, I'm sitting here like, Beavers. So the beavers went to war. No. Uh, the beaver wars were battles during the 17th century for the economic welfare throughout the St. Lawrence River Valley in Canada and the lower Great Lakes region. Like, all the native tribes were just fighting. Oh. I know. Like, there was war before the white man here. That's Insane. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine indigenous peoples having their own histories? I know. That's crazy. So crazy. Huh. Really not that crazy, though, because, yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, no permanent Native American settlements existed, and it was mainly used as hunting grounds. It was located right on the falls of the Ohio River and made it a very desirable place to populate. Its early growth can largely be attributed to the fact that river boats had to be unloaded and moved downriver before reaching the falls. Louisville also served as a point of escape for slaves of the time because Indiana was a free state. Hmm. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Like, I wish our us. history books would have told us yeah, that. Yeah, they don't tell us the stuff in school. They didn't tell us a lot of stuff in school. They really do. So. <laughs> um, by 1828, Louisville's population surpassed 7,000, which pretty big for 1828, uh, and became Kentucky's first city. In 1839, a precursor to the Kentucky Derby was held at Louis at Old Louisville's Oakland Race Course. I didn't know they had a precursor to the Derby. I didn't either. I just thought it was like Derby. It's 
Yeah, derby. like I thought the derby just started happening because people were like, "Oh look, horses! Let's let's race them, see what we can get." Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over ten thousand specters attended the two horse race. Only two horses. What That's is ours it? now? Like ten. That's it. Yeah, it was only two horses. Um, the race was held for 36 years before the first Kentucky Derby and was the popular competition to test the quality of racehorses. So, is that like two horses a year or is that like two horses per race? Am I just reading too much into that? Two horses a race. Okay. That, yeah. No, wait. 10,000 specters attended the two horse race. Yeah, two, it was just a two horse race. Because you know the Derby is like... What is it? Seven, eight, nine? Yeah. For one race. Right. A quick little two-minute race. You got seven, eight, nine horses, and they had two horses. Okay. But it was used to test the quality of the race horses. Oh. Because, you know, you need to know how fast a, a horse can run. Zoom, zoom. Yeah, I guess at that time. Did they have cars? What did they know at cars? <laughs> <laughs> 1822? 28? Cars were invented. Mm. First true automobile was created in 1885-1886. Okay, so this was before cars. Okay. So yeah, you know, just in case they wanted to have a little drag racing with horses and buggies. Yeah. Okay. Um, Louisville became a major center for sales of horses and other livestock. I guess, yeah, because I mean, we're pretty close to the river. Um, mm-hmm. we You can go further inland, and there's a lot of farmland out there, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, you go further into Kentucky, they still have a lot of horses. And, I mean, if you think about it, Louisville still sells a lot of horse I mean, horse that's stuff. what we're known for. So, horses. Oh, yeah. yeah horses um, and bourbon. Yes. And it's not bourbon unless it's from Kentucky. I should have taken some allergy medicine. Uh, yeah. One of my bosses at work, she works over at the tax shop over by Churchill Downs. Hmm. And she tells me all the time about all the stuff that they sell. She actually crochets the blankets that they put under the saddles. Uh, oh. Yeah. And they're pretty, too. She sold me a few of them. I don't really watch horse races, so I didn't know that was a thing that they did. I don't think it's a thing they do for race horses, but more so for, like, pet horses. Oh, okay. That's, okay. So, you know, really com- comfort right. level. <laughs> it, it, it gives a padding between the saddle bareback. And the first Kentucky Derby was held on May 17th, 1875 at the Louisville Jockey Club Track, which was the original name of Churchill Downs. Oh, I like Churchill Downs better. I do too, because Louisville Jockey Club Track just sounds a little... Mannish. Yeah. Yeah. Boys only. Yeah. Boys only allowed here, guys. Louisville was considered a major stronghold for the Union forces during the Civil War. This kept Kentucky strongly a Union state, despite all of the Confederate-proud Kentuckians. Mm. Although the state of Kentucky declared itself a neutral state early on in the war, they were a Union state. By the end of the war, Louisville hadn't been attacked once while surrounding areas suffered skirmishes and battles. After 1865, returning Confederates took political control over the city. This led to the thought that Louisville joined the Confederacy after the war was over. So, I wonder where all those Confederates came from. Go figure, when it's run by women and children, it's... Yeah. Yeah. 
Eight whiskey distilleries opened on 7th Street Road after the end of the Prohibition. Hmm. Just a little fun fact there. I think I've been to a strip club on 7th Street. There's strip clubs everywhere. I know. <laughs> Just... <laughs> on March 27th, 1890, the city was devastated and downtown nearly completely destroyed when an F4 tornado struck. What year was that? Uh, 1890. Roughly 74 to 120 people were killed, and about 200 were injured. I promise. This comes up later. This comes up in my story. Oh, okay. Yeah, fun times. And then the famous Waverly Hill Sanatorium opened in 1910 to house tuberculosis... Tuberculosis? Okay, Sean Connery. (laughs) The famous Waverly Hill Sanatorium was opened in 1910 to house tuberculosis patients and remained open until 1961. In 1963, it was then used as a retirement home until 1982. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, recently they decided they wanted to turn it into a hotel, but that has kind of been um, halted temporarily. Yeah, I think they they still make money... um... For Halloween and stuff like that, right? Haunted House has ghost tours. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Because that place haunted as fuck. Now, see, when I went, though, I didn't feel anything until the fourth floor. The fourth floor, that was creepy. But. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. I've never really, A, had anyone to go with. And, B, I've never really, like, wanted to go. Well, I mean, my grandma lives over there, so we drive by it all the time. Yeah. That's all, I, That's literally the only time I've ever been near it, is yeah. when I went to your grandma's house. And then you get all of my mom's fun stories of when she used to ride up there on her bicycle when she was a kid. I've never heard a single one of those. I haven't heard any. No. Okay. I'm going to have to have her tell you later. Okay. A lot of fun stories. Where was I? In 1914, the city of Louisville passed a racially based residential zoning code. Thanks to one awesome man named William Worley. He actually really is awesome. Uh, court struck down the zoning law, ruling that it violated the 14th Amendment's due process clause. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Go for it. All right. This guy's a hero. I really am just doing a general summary of all the big things that have happened in Louisville. In 1937, 19.17 inches of rain fell in Louisville. By January 27th, the Ohio River had raised 30 feet out of its flood banks. Mm. This resulted in the Great Flood of 1937. Uh, My great-great-grandfather was actually shot and killed during this time for his medicine. What? 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 My uh, grandpa's father. On your mom's side or your dad's side? On my mom's side. Okay. He was a pharmacist? He, he was a doctor at the time. Okay. And you know, back in the 1930s, they carried around, like, whiskey and bourbon and all that. Because yeah. they thought it was medicinal. So, he was... Like that meme that's like, you got ghosts in your blood, do cocaine about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, he was shot and killed so that someone... that they, they stole his alcohol. That's insane. And he was shot and killed during the flood. As a doctor, you know, why are you shooting and killing a doctor who's out there and probably trying to help people? Did they know that he was a doctor? Yeah, they stole his whiskey from his medicine bag. Oh, oh, yeah. he had like a whole like. He had like a whole thing like, of, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, no, they shot and killed him for the whiskey because that was um, very medicinal at the time, and actually my dad still takes it for when he's got, like, a scratchy throat. Yeah, like, there's, um, like, a hot toddy, how it has, like, whiskey and honey, and it's got, um... Oh, I bet that's really good for... Whorehound and... Yeah, I bet that's really good for a sore throat. Anyway, the, uh, the flood submerged, like, 60 to 70% of the city. Oh, crap. I know, right? Like, I knew it was bad, I didn't know it was, like, 70% of the city. And it resulted in a complete loss of power for four days, which is understandable, but also... That's, like, four days. That's four days. Uh, (laughs) If we didn't have electricity for four days... I mean, there are a lot of places that now, like, have gone without power or without supplies for a really long time, Mm -hmm. but... It's one of those things that, in this day and age, you can't really fathom. Yeah, until it, like, happens to you, and it seems... That's crazy. So, and this, uh, this actually brings us pretty much up to date. Louisville goes through patches of urban uprisings where parts of the city begin to thrive, and it's kind of like Louisville is its own breathing being. Hmm. Like, if you notice, like, recently Hikes Point has gotten up and is looking, like, really nice again, whereas mm-hmm. Fern Creek looked a little down in the dumps, but, yeah. I mean, it's all gonna come back up again. Hmm. So, living, breathing, breathing. Thing. Living beating a beaker. <laughs> it's a living beating beer. <laughs> I I genuinely didn't know half of that. I know, like fun little stuff that. What do you keep looking at? <laughs> I don't. I keep thinking that I'm hearing like somebody at the door. I know I am too, but I know there's no one out there. Um, it's just my ghost. It's fine. Yeah, it's your ghost. She's just coming to say hi. Kind of a dick. Uh, I mean, following you to work. Yeah. All right. Is that the end of your history? Yeah, that's the end of the history. I mean, uh, we're fairly up to date. If you want to know anything else, just give us an email. We'll have to make an email. Okay, so this week, at least, uh, for this episode, I'm doing not... uh, It's true crime. It's not um, a murder, per se. It's unsolved. I know. I usually hate those. they, They really upset me. I mean, but. some unsolved ones are, like, really good, but also some of them are just kind of depressing. They and really there's so much crime in Louisville. I know. But this one actually isn't in Louisville. Okay. <laughs> where are we at? It's close to Louisville. It's in Bardstown. It's only 30 minutes away from where I live. Yeah, <laughs> so you mean where I live. <laughs> um, so it's in Bardstown, Kentucky, which is about 30 to 45 minutes outside Louisville. It's where my grandma lives, so I heard about this a lot. My, not my grandma, my great-grandma. On dad's side? Mom's my side. mom's side. Okay. Um, so I heard about this a lot, um, and I saw the signs for it, and it just became this huge thing that if you ask anybody in Bardstown about it, they're like silent like they will either or they're either super silent or they will be like we don't fucking know it's crazy so this one is about crystal rogers never heard of her (laughs) which i find so crazy because i i feel like it's well okay so crystal rogers um my sources for this by the way uh, Crime Junkie, uh, another podcast called Unresolved. Thank you, podcast. Not just stealing from podcasts, I promise. I also got some information off of, 
off of WHAS 11, WDRB, and Oxygen because they did a special on Crystal Rogers. Like you being responsible and sourcing your sources. You didn't get any sources? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> Google. That is my source. Wow. Google and Wikipedia. Uh, as I recall, those are not proper sources. <laughs> However, anyway, so this is Crystal Rogers. Just showing Rachel a picture. Oh, okay. Alright. So. Very blonde. Yes. Uh, she was... <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Uh, so, Crystal Rogers, um... Age 35, de- devoted mother of five. She was last seen July 3rd of 2015. Jeez. Oh, yeah. So recent. Yeah, it's very recent. The fourth anniversary of the date she went missing, they just had a vigil for her, and it was all over the news, so I was really surprised that you didn't see anything about it, so. Oh, what is the news? I don't watch that. Rachel. <laughs> Great. No, I do watch it. I just it depresses me. <laughs> uh, yeah, in this day and age, it's not surprising. Last seen July third, twenty fifteen. The last person to see her was the father of her youngest child and her boyfriend at the time, Brooks Hauk. Her family didn't hear from her on the fourth of July, and thought it was really weird because you know everybody. Everyone talks on the fourth of July. Yeah, like the fourth of July. It's like especially obviously. Family, yeah. Yeah, like, you go, you do fireworks, all that stuff. Well, and if you have young kids, too, I mean, you, you want to bring the kids over to Grandma and Grandpa's exactly. and light off some spr- sparklers. Sparklers. <laughs> just sprinkle the fireworks all over the children. I mean, children. sprinklers, too, if it's hot enough. You just turn it on and kids jump around in the front yard. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Her family thought it was really weird because they'd never heard from her. Her mother reported her missing on the 5th. Okay. Not Brooks. Who was the last person to Who see her. her. July 5th, the same day that her mother reported her missing, Crystal's maroon Chevy Impala was found abandoned along the westbound side of the Bluegrass Parkway around mile marker 14. The car had a flat tire. Her keys, purse, and cell phone were all still inside. Wow, she was kind of far away from home. That's down by a PRP? Bluegrass Parkway? Yeah, that's kind of far away. Not totally, because part of Bluegrass Parkway goes through Barstown. Okay. Right? I did not look up geography for this. Uh, (laughs) I just... I am fact-checking. Because the only place that I've seen Bluegrass Parkway is down by um, my grandma's. Like, you have to go through Valley Station. Bluegrass Parkway, Bardstown, Kentucky. Yeah, detoured through Bardstown. Okay. Yeah, near Bardstown. Yeah. Yeah, Bardstown, um, Elizabethtown. Versailles. Versailles. And then you got me, your your good old French speaker, Versailles. I know. Every time I see it, I want to say Versailles, but they say it Versailles, and, you know, we say Louisville. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I get it, but just one of those things that, mm, the real word is Versailles. But anyway, yeah, her car had a flat tire, her keys, purse, and cell phone were all still inside, which... Two days later, not good. Yeah, and you don't leave your cell phone. No one leaves their cell phone anymore. Even if it's dead, you... I know more people who bring a charger with them. Even if you don't have a charger, like, if if I didn't have a charger, I would still bring my phone, because literally everybody else will probably have a charger. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's not compatible with yours, they know someone who has one. I didn't bring my charger, so... like. Well, we also have the same port, so... But, so her dad said that she wouldn't left her car there. 
mm-hmm. on the side of the road like that because she had had a flat tire previously and she wouldn't pull over. She would drive on that flat tire to the nearest exit so she would be in a populated area. Yeah, so. which is a smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and which... Honestly, I don't know if I do that because I've pulled over on the side of the road before. To be fair, the only time I had a flat tire was when I was 17 and went to go see... Ugh. I know. I pulled off of um, Gene Snyder onto Preston Highway and I hit a really slick patch, like an oil patch. It had just rained. Mm. So, and my tires were like really old. Yeah. (laughs) So That was an old car. Yeah. The (laughs) tires were like really old. So I slid on the oil patch... And I, my car literally jumped up onto the median. What? Yeah, it did. And one of my tires was flat, and I didn't know it. So I started motioning to the guy who was, like, in front of me, like, hey, can, can you let me over? And he, he just kind of looked at me, and he pointed down at my tire. He was like, your tire's flat. I'm like, what? So I got out of my car, and my freaking tire's flat. Uh. And then a police person shows up. Is anyone coming to help you? I was like... Yeah, I called my dad. <laughs> I can't. No. Okay. But, I mean, if that police person hadn't showed up. Yeah. You could have. Did. No. Anyway. So, this is Brooks Hauk. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the eyes. Mm-hmm. So, right away, things are not right with this guy. Um, he said that the last time we saw her was around midnight on uh, July 3rd. He said that he... That she stayed up playing games on her phone uh, when he, and he went to bed. And when he woke up the next morning, she was gone and her car wasn't in the driveway. Yeah. Okay, but I don't know anyone who, if they're living with someone, unless they're going out for, like, I don't know, an emergency. I mean, people would still just, like, at least try to wake you up or leave you a note or text yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. They'd be like, hey, honey, I'm going out. Be right back. Yeah, I mean, even in an emergency, they would text when they get there. Exactly. Um, but... So he says that he wasn't concerned at the time because she would frequently go out late at night to party with friends and not come home until the following morning. Literally everyone disagreed with him. Like, all of her friends, all of her family were like, no, that's not. So in an interview with Nancy Grace, he told, like, he had an actual interview with Nancy Grace, and he told her that they had a stressed relationship. What does that mean? Yeah. If you have a stressed relationship, don't be in that relationship. Well, okay, so he said they had a stressed relationship, and she would sometimes go over to her cousin's house to stay the night. Going over to your cousin's house to stay stay the night and going out and partying with your friends all night. It's a different thing. Not the same. Yeah. No, I don't want to restart my computer. Fuck off. Okay. Yay, update. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> um, so Crystal's cousin responded to this, saying that Crystal only ever came over once to spend the night, and she brought her two-year-old with her. Yeah, not by, just by herself. Exactly. And so, on the night she disappeared, she texted a friend saying that she was excited to finally have a night free alone together with Brooks. And when he, he was asked about this, he straight up was like, I don't know, just, I don't know. And so his story doesn't add up with the footage taken from the Hawk family farm either. So, footage. Um, they have a security yes. cam? They're, they have security oh, cams. Oh, look at you guys. So, the footage on their family farm shows the two of them going to the farm and only Brooks leaving. So where is she? Exactly. There's no information. Like, he doesn't, he was just like, I don't know, we went to go feed the animals and we left. But it didn't show her coming back. Yeah. Afterwards, Crystal's sister said that Brooks didn't offer to help search for her or help out the family. 
He said... This guy gives me a bad taste. <laughs> dude. Dude. He said he was helping search efforts behind the scenes. Oh, what does that mean? Doing paperwork? What kind of paperwork? Mm-hmm. Filling out a, uh, 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 more, tre- more... So... A death certificate? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was trying to say a mortuary. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he became a mortician. Um, <laughs> no, so he, he said he was helping efforts behind the scenes, and he maintain, maintains that he's 100% innocent, despite the fact that he's considered to be a suspect. So, when police were looking into Crystal's disappearance, Brooks took a polygraph, and it was inconclusive. The thing about polygraphs, they're most of the time they're not um, admissible mm-hmm. in court, because they usually, like, indicate stress. They don't really say whether or not yeah. you're lying. Well, and people can feel stressed if if the, like somebody goes missing. Someone. Right. Yeah. So in his defense, if somebody asked me about somebody that I hadn't seen in a while, somebody I cared about, mm-hmm. I would also be stressed. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Oh, but um, also, if you didn't care about them as much as you say you did, and it comes back as negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Then so get away scotch free. You're gonna love this. Oh, okay. So according to Detective John Snow, thank you, John Snow. <laughs> yes, uh, at the Nelson County Sheriff's Office during his interview, Brooks took a phone call that seemed to be staged. Yeah, like I watched this. It he was like, you know, when you, oh yeah, I'm talking on the phone. Like you, it's when you want somebody to pay attention to what you're saying. That's exactly what it sounded like. Basically, in this conversation, he was told not to keep speaking with police. Mm-hmm. So... So he's a bad actor. Yeah. And while Brooks has never been charged, there have been a bunch of search warrants executed on property owned by Brooks and multiple members of the Hauk family. They confiscated... Confiscated. <laughs> they confiscated some farm <laughs> equipment. Remember... What, what kind? Don't know. It hasn't been released. So, like, a pig trough, or... Don't know. Okay. But that's that's the thing, though. Like, they went to the farm that night to feed the animals. Do they, and have, do they have pigs? Pigs I eat everything. Know. I don't know. But <laughs> after, like, three years of not saying anything about the case, he came out saying that he was advised to ride the wave and keep on keeping on and ride it's worked out so far ride the wave it's worked out sure. so far yeah all right so that uh phone call that was from brooks's brother nick who was on the bardstown police department go figure yeah in bardstown police force he was fired actually following that phone call after a little while because he allegedly interfered with the investigation which just to good way of saying he was the other one on the end of that phone call yeah and he was the one who told brooks not to talk to police he initially agreed to a polygraph test but never showed up that's lovely yeah and when he eventually took one he straight up failed it literally every question related to crystal rogers disappearance read as a negative response which is what you want to hear right yeah okay um one asked about bodily fluids being found in the trunk of his cruiser what kind of bodily fluids? Don't know. Like blood or? Don't know. Other Hasn't kinds. been released. Okay. Um, on the 8th of July, um, so five days. No, was it June or July? You said July 3rd. So the 8th yeah, of July would be yeah. five days. Yeah. So five days uh, later on the 8th of July, security camera footage 
from the Hawk family farm showed Nick and Brooks going to the farm after sunset, and they were in the barn for hours before they finally left at 11.22pm. When questioned about what they were doing, Hmm. they said they don't remember. Hmm. He was fired on October 16th, 2015, when he was officially named as a suspect, and he's never been charged with anything related to her disappearance, but he's shady as fuck. A suspect or an accomplice? Suspect. So, Brooks and his brother are both suspects. Yes. Okay. Hmm. I know. Which, like, they went to that, they went to the barn on the farm where they worked. Five days later, when Crystal didn't appear afterwards to leave on five days before. Yeah. So, Crystal Rogers, on the same day that Nick was fired, Crystal Rogers was presumed dead. Yeah. That's horrible. At the time Crystal went missing, Nick was using a white sedan owned by his grandmother that was conveniently sold soon after. Mm-hmm. Conveniently. Um, huh. Conveniently. I, who, so she was subpoenaed to appear before a grand jury in June of 2016, and she was asked to speak about her ownership of the car and why she'd gotten rid of it, or why her grandsons had gotten rid of it for her. She straight up refused to testify. <laughs> She invoked her Fifth Amendment right against (laughs) self-incrimination and chose not to speak to a grand jury. A hearing actually had to be held to determine if she could do that, and it ultimately upheld her right to remain silent. So the first and only person arrested in relation to the case was Danny Singleton, who was a longtime employee of Brooks Houck. Yeah. Wait, employee, like, at the farm? I don't know. Or did Brooks have another job? I don't know. (laughs) I You're gonna start anticipating these questions. I know. I, I, I knew that at some point you'd be asking questions that I just couldn't find an answer, answer yeah. for, so I just figured I'd roll with it. Um so Singleton was arrested on thirty eight counts of perjury stemming from grand jury testimony he'd given earlier in the year. Yeah. Perjury? Yes. Jesus According Christ. to detectives, he had lied on multiple occasions under oath and pled guilty. What he was lying about, I don't know. So you didn't have like a um, the typey typey from the courts. No, I could. I didn't. <laughs> I, mm. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. The I told you my typey. source. I yeah. told you my sources. I that know. wasn't one of them. I don't know. So he served eight months in prison for that. <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? No, but yes. I really don't think you are. Okay, so Brooks. Brooks. Who? Brooks. <laughs> Got a new girlfriend. Jesus Christ! You don't deserve I mean, one. You know, you know, cause after a while. You move on. I don't know when they started dating. Doesn't really matter. Like, How long? Girlfriend? I don't know. Like, what year is this? Don't know. 2015? I don't know, Rachel. Stop asking. Because <laughs> 2015, you shouldn't be moving on that early. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt. Especially if she just, like, randomly went missing. You'd still be searching. So If you really loved her. His new girlfriend's name is Crystal. And she looks a little similar. So he's got a type. Mm-hmm. She was arrested for stealing signs that the family had helped put up to they were okay so people who live here probably will like remember the signs that said bring crystal home mm-hmm. and they were up for like a really long time like for a very long time she <laughs> she ripped them down like she was arrested for it okay but also why would she rip them down she has no reason to rip them down i don't i don't know if it's because like she was angry that her boyfriend was being accused 
or if it's just like she really fucking hated her i don't know if she even knew her but typical girlfriend like disliking the ex-girlfriend syndrome i guess i don't know i it's really crazy which i don't know why you would hate the ex-girlfriend if you they might be dead like she's presumed dead so okay so here's where things get real weird this is where a conspiracy comes in Okay, can I just throw something in real fast? Yeah. I don't think it's so much that disliking the ex-girlfriend as it is disliking the boyfriend. Because I know one of my exes had a friend who passed that he admitted to me that he had a thing for. And I, like, hated her. Even after she had passed, I hated her. But I couldn't figure out why I hated her. Because I liked her. She was a nice girl. Just a friend that they had. That he had. A special friend. But, no, I mean, she was a really nice girl, and I hated her, but just, just a nice girl, and I hated her because of him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That kind of makes sense. So, I mean, I can kind of relate a little bit, but I wouldn't yeah, but like go about tearing signs down. someone's family. Yeah. Somebody, like, a family that's, like, in mourning. Yeah, I wouldn't do that at all, because that's just... Oh, do you want to see her? Crossing, I have a picture of her. Yeah. That's just crossing a line, to be honest. I keep bumping into the This is here. her. Oh, wow, she really does look like her. Different eye shape, though. Yeah. And a little bit older. Yeah. I don't know. I don't actually know how old she, she is. She looks just sure. a little bit older. Okay, so, conspiracy. Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Dap. Okay. Um, Did you say dap? Yeah. <laughs> Dab. Um, Crystal's parents, Tommy and Chuck. Which oh, Crystal? Blah, 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 blah. Missing Crystal? Yes. Okay. Um, Crystal Rogers' parents, Tommy and Sherry Ballard. Uh, made sure to keep Sh- Crystal's story in the media. They appeared on locally and nationally syndicated syndicated TV shows like Nancy Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry's mainly been the voice of the family, being more active in the media, while Tommy worked more behind the scenes, arranging searches, putting up signs. Um, the signs that a lot of us are familiar with. Crystal, yeah. Bring Crystal home. Uh, Tommy began conducting his own independent investigation full-time to try to figure out what happened to his daughter. and in, Like dads do. Right. He literally, like, he ha- he was able to do things that police weren't able to do because police have restrictions, whereas mm-hmm. he could, like, go anywhere, talk to anybody. Well, because if police don't follow these the restrictions, then the case gets right. pretty much thrown out the window. Right. So... Um, and, and in the fall of 2016, he told Sherry that he was sure that he was being followed. Um, he seemed to think that he was getting close to cracking the case and was constantly aware of his surroundings to the point where people kind of thought that he was becoming a little bit paranoid. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was because on November 19th, 2016, Tommy went hunting with his 11-year-old grandson on private property belonging to the Ballards. Yeah. And when his grandson went back to the truck, uh, probably to get something they'd forgotten, Tommy was shot. What? Yeah, like center mass, straight in the chest. Oh my. Yeah. With a gun, right? Yes. Because <laughs> you, you said shot and I'm sitting here because hunting, I'm thinking like bow and arrow, like, mm, honey. <laughs> with the gun. Oh, what a jacket. Yeah. So, some people are like, oh, it was probably just a hunting accident, but they were both, like, wearing bright orange vests. Like, Tommy was an avid hunter. He knew what he was doing. hmm So, it's not like he didn't know what to wear. And so, basically, his, his grandson called um, 
911, but by the time that they got there, it was too late. Oh, I feel so bad for that poor boy. Yeah, like, like I can't even imagine, like, being the one to find somebody. Well, and you said he was, what, 11? Yeah. Like, that just... <sighs> yeah. Like, for your <laughs> mother to go missing, and then, and then... Or, I don't know, actually, if it was Crystal's kid. It might have been her sister's. Well, even for your aunt to go missing. Yeah. Like, for anyone in your family to go missing that you are probably more than likely close with. Yeah. And then also coming and finding your grandfather, who, again, you're probably close with if you're going hunting together, mm-hmm. and finding him shot, that... Extremely traumatic, yeah. This poor boy, I hope he's gotten some counseling. I mean, it just... I hope so. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, so the case has been kept under wraps and is only labeled as a death investigation, despite the fact that, that it was on... Uh, like, it's being worked as if, you know, it was a homicide investigation because they have yeah. to work all the angles. Um, but it's technically labeled as a death investigation. Because they have no body to determine if it's homicide or not. Huh? They have no body to determine if it's homicide or not. They have his body? I don't know what you mean. Oh, you're talking about the grandfathers. I thought you were still talking about Crystal Rogers. No, no. Um, Tommy's case is, is held death. under wrap. Okay. Uh, it's um, labeled as a death investigation. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, they... How would he be able to shoot himself point blank? No, like, they might have, they think that somebody might have snuck onto their land, and they might have been hunting, and they might have accidentally shot him. In a bright orange vest. Yeah. But <laughs> a lot of people, there there haven't been any real leads, Yeah, and it's still unsolved, um, although many people, including the Ballard family, believes that the same person who shot Tommy is the same person responsible for Crystal's disappearance. I would believe that. Yeah. Trying to cover their tracks. So, what's weird about all of this is that um, a lot of people in the area think that um, Crystal's disappearance and Tommy's death um, is part of a larger conspiracy that involves three other murders. One of those is Jason Ellis. (laughs) On May of 2013, Officer Jason Ellis left his partner at home. He was a canine officer. Um, Yeah. So he left his dog at home that day, and when he was on his way home, he saw a stack of freshly cut tree limbs blocking the ramp of exit 34 on the Bluegrass Parkway. So Louisville has a serial killer? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I hope not. Um, but... Or Bartstown does. Some people just think it's a little suspicious that it's also the Bluegrass Parkway. Yeah. But, I don't know, technically Tommy's wasn't involved in the Bluegrass Parkway, but, um... Unless he was getting a little too close to who the killer was. Right. Um, but after exiting his cruiser to investigate, he was ambushed and shot multiple times with a 12-gauge shotgun and unfortunately died on the scene. Yeah. Um, police have interviewed... he didn't even have his partner there. I don't know, but... That's one of the, one of the things is that it was, they, people think it was someone who knew that he didn't have his partner with him. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it was just really weird. I, I think they... Well, because also, know. how often do you leave without your partner? Even if it is a canine partner, how often would you leave exactly anywhere without your partner? So, I think, they think it was somebody who, um knew that he was going to be without his partner that day. So police have interviewed countless people of interest uh, connected with the case and pursued many leads, but none have ever led to any arrests. There was one guy that said that um, 
he was getting close to figuring out, I didn't write it down, but it, it was a guy in prison who said that it was connected to a case that uh, Jason Ellis was working, having to do with drugs. So that leads me to the last two murders. Uh, there's two more. This is a serial killer. Well, okay, so <laughs> April of 2014, 48-year-old special ed teacher Kathy Netherland and her 16-year-old daughter Samantha were both found dead in their home. Uh, where did they live? Bardstown or? Yeah. Uh, it was discovered that they were killed in two different ways. So this part is not great. Not great? Yeah. I mean, none of it's great. Not even remotely, but this part. So Kathy had been shot multiple times while Samantha had been bludgeoned about the head with both women showing knife wounds to their necks. So both of their throats had also been slit. So you bludgeoned a kid to the head? Yeah. What kind of sick creep does that? Um, Kentucky State Police had no suspects or motive for the Netherlands murders. Their only possible clue was a black Chevrolet Impala, which had been filmed near the crime scene the night of the murder. Uh, within months of the murders, police had searched more than 90 cars in the area that matched the vehicle's description, and on the first anniversary of the murders, the Netherlands family increased the reward for information about the killings from 2500 to 50000 Despite such incentive, mm-hmm. um, no, the mur- murders remain unsolved. So, people think that these cases are connected, and they've been dubbed the Bardstown murders or the Nelson County murders. Um, some think that... that it's all part of some drug trade running in the town and that each one of the victims had learned something or were close to learning too much. According to the spokesperson, Lieutenant Michael Webb, police haven't ruled out the possibility that the cases might be connected, but offered no further details. March 2018, the Kentucky House of Representatives and State Senate passed a resolution honoring the victims of the Bardstown murders, urging witnesses to come forward. A month later, the new Bardstown police chief announced the creation of a new anonymous tip line that she hopes will encourage those with information on the cases to come forward. There's people in the community that have information, but they're afraid to come forward, she told CBS affiliate. Pick up the phone, call the number. You could have the information we need to, we need to desperately solve these cases. They all remain unsolved. And it is so unsatisfying. Like, I know. Well, for one, just the Crystal Rogers thing in general is just so depressing. And then her father dies. Yeah. And that poor 11-year-old boy had to find him. And, I mean, the other ones are depressing, too, but just... Yeah. Just hers. By itself. It's rough. It, it's <sighs> it's definitely really, really rough. People, don't kill. Bad yeah, idea. That, that, wor- that works. Alrighty, well, um... As depressing as that was. Yeah, I'm really glad we're not ending on that, because... That, yeah. It's rough. We're gonna go on to my stories, which is kind of three stories combined into one, because I decided to focus in on a small little section of Louisville. Yeah, she actually did Louisville, as opposed to me, who did something near Louisville. <laughs> yeah, I actually did Louisville, because we were talking about Louisville, and I was like, well, I don't want to do Waverly Hills, because that's overly done. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll do Waverly Hills, like, much later, at a later date, but, like, I wanted to do something that, at least f- for a place that I go through every year. So, my stories are from St. James Court. Coincidentally, I know nothing about this. <laughs> Which is hilarious, because you've been with me to the heart 
to the art show. Have I? You have. You've been with me to the St. James Court Art Show. Kind of like a, um, like a festival. Where they have a whole bunch of art booths and... Was that at the fairgrounds? No, it's in St. James Court. I know, but that's the only thing I don't remember. I... You know what? That's okay. I'll take you again this year. Okay. Um, St. James Court, known to many Louisvillians due to the annual art show held in the fall, is one of the most haunted neighborhoods in the U.S. That I did not know. I did not know it was the, one of the most in haunted the US? neighborhoods. In the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. Um, and I know nothing about it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Its streets are lined with historic, turn-of-the-century, and Victorian-styled homes. Due to the age of some of these homes, it would make sense that there might be a few ghosts hanging around. Like, if you... I mean, I know you've seen some of these homes. If you see some of them, they're old. Like, really old. There are some really, really old houses in Louisville. Like, I'm surprised a lot of them are still standing. <laughs> yeah! Okay, well, St. James Court, some of them are... You would be surprised that they're standing. Hmm. One of the better-known homes in the area is known as the Pink Palace. Ooh. It's the really... Does the Pink Panther live there? Yes, the Pink Panther lives there. Sweet. No, it's the, um... It's it's a it's a very big pink Victorian esque house. It is located at fourteen seventy three Saint James Court. Do not visit the house because they do not want people to visit it. Oh, yeah. Are there, are there like actual people who there live are actual there? people who live there? Oh, so it's not like a touristy attraction. Uh-uh. Oh, nope. Um, it is a six bed, four bath, five thousand five hundred sixty square foot. Victorian mansion that was built in 1881. Damn, how much that cost? I want to live there. Also, that, people who live at 1473, what street? St. James, James Court. Court. Don't sue us, because we're not sending people to your house. If they go there, that's on. Well, you can walk, I mean, you can walk past it, and it usually is featured on, um, like, ghost tours. Like, people uh, will walk past it. Here, I'll show you. Uh, they last bought it for $700,000. Shit. Here, I'm going to show you a picture. You'll know it when you see it. I doubt it. Okay. It's I could have seen it a million times. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's gone. Ow. Sorry. I've never seen that before in my life. It looks like San Francisco. Huh. But it's pretty, right? A nice little turret. That is really... I would paint it a different color, but pink's okay, too. I do love me a turret. Oh, yeah. Turrets freaking amazing well there is a reason behind the pink color that we will get to here shortly oh let's see uh i said it was built in 1881 it first began as a gentleman's club (laughs) and casino (laughs) before las vegas and monte carlo branded casinos with gambling connotations casinos served as a relaxing country getaway where the affluent could unwind from the stresses of the time well gee i don't Good for the affluent, I guess. I <laughs> know, right? <laughs> like, stresses. Shh. You know who needed the relief from that stress? The poor people. Right. Yeah, but also they were country getaways. Mm. Not so much country in this case. Anyway, prestigious neighborhoods in Victorian England and America had their own casinos where families could meet for daily outings. Like, it was a family place. It wasn't just gentlemen's club oh. like here. The well-to-do residents of Louisville put their own little spin on this, and the casino became exclusively a male haven. Mm. Mm. Don't they always? <laughs> male residents of St. James Court and Belgravia Court in Louisville, Kentucky, used to relax and unwind 
from the stresses of that time, as I said, enjoying cigars, brandy, and stimulating conversations. <laughs> what were they talking about? <laughs> Hold on, I put in little quotations. That's not the only stimulating thing here. Ew. Dirty <laughs> joke. What? This is why. It is also believed that their rather large closets located on the upper floors were used by ladies of the night to service male club visitors. Oh. <laughs> very stimulating. Gotcha. The club was only in business for a few years before being sold to several private owners who used it as a private home until roughly 1910. Oh. Although it is highly debated as to who did it and when the mansion was painted pink. Oh. It is highly believed that the Women's Christian Temperance Union bought the mansion in 1910 and painted the building its famously pink color as a message concerning the alleged improper use of the premises during its earlier years. We're not affiliated with them. No, we're not. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, okay, now on to the ghost. Like all old houses, the mansion has its creaks and groans, of course. However, one of the owners is presumed to have not moved on after the 1897 cell date. Ooh. Right? Must be so confused by phones. Right, I bet he is too, and a lot of the things. <laughs> all of the things. All of the things. Mr. George Avery is said to be the ghost residing in the Pink Palace. The apparition is described as an older southern gentleman, clean-shaven with white hair, sporting turn-of-the-century attire. He is actually what is often called a crisis apparition, as in he only appears to residents who are about to face danger. Oh. So he's a good guy. So you don't want to see him. No, you don't want to see him, but if you do, I mean... Run. Be aware, yeah. One of the most well-known stories is that of a woman named Jenny, who occupied a basement apartment in the 1960s. Jenny first saw Mr. Avery while chopping vegetables in her kitchen. She had turned around to put the cutting board in the sink and froze when she saw him standing in, in the doorway that led to the bathroom. He was there and then he was gone. After regaining her composure, Jenny wondered if she would ever see Mr. Avery again. She had decided that he wasn't a malicious spirit. Who does that, for one? I thought you um, said militia spirit. I was like, <laughs> no, I mean... Malicious. There was no militia. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, a malicious spirit. Sorry. Yeah, she, she decided that he wasn't a malicious spirit and that he wasn't there to harm her. She then began to wonder why she had called him Avery. I kind of wonder if maybe he did this telepathically to her. So she just randomly called she him Avery? Randomly like, she just decided to call even... him Avery. Yeah, just... Oh. That's weird. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this actually happens a lot, is that people get Just go- automatically, like, know their names? Yeah, people automatically know who it is. Not always, but, I mean, a lot. That same night, as she was unwinding in the tub, she got the strange feeling that someone was watching her. Ugh. When she opened her eyes, she saw him standing in the exact same spot that he had been standing earlier. Ew, absolutely he- not. I know, right? Uh, he was staring at her with no expression whatsoever, which is the even creepier part. Like, like be angry, be sad, do, do something. She said that she was afraid, but she was not afraid of him. She then sprang out of the tub just as a concrete block was shoved through the window by two would-be burglars. No. Her jumping out of the tub actually saved her life because it would have landed, like, right on her head. What? Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, so Mr. Avery standing there in the doorway and kind of freaking her out actually helped her. So it's chill. It's chill. You can creep because he saved her. He saved her life, yeah. Ooh. And I mean, still don't creep, but um, yeah. Another incident is 
when he appeared to residents who were in the kitchen only moments before faulty wiring caused flames to just spontaneously burst. Ooh. Yeah. I Save wonder if she passed that along to the next person who got the house. I wonder if that's just something that they tell people. Like, when you buy this house, just know if you happen well, to see some guy, <clears throat> it's a ghost. Also, he, run, because you're going to die. Well, she was only renting, so... Oh, renters don't usually. Yeah, renters don't usually talk with the people who come in after them. Also, she was on the basement floor. That's not including the floors up above. Oh. Which, the floors up above is where the kitchen caught on fire. Oh. Right. Okay. And just, like, spontaneous big eruption flames. Sometime after these incidents, Jenny had actually been helping a friend do some research on a grant proposal at the Louisville Free Public Library. She happened upon an old newspaper clipping. Guess what the newspaper clipping said? Something about Avery. Aha, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The newspaper clipping said, Mr. Avery and his family have recently acquired the former casino and gentleman's club and will be calling it home. How creepy. Do you think that, like, he, like, followed her and, like, made sure she found her? Or do you just think it was in genuine, like, coincidence? I think it was probably just, like, genuine coincidence. Uh But also the fact that she didn't know a Mr. Avery had lived there. So that is that how she found out his name? That's how she found out that the name she thought of was, was actually right. his name. That's creepy. I feel like if I met somebody, I automatically knew their name, and then I found out that was their name, I'd be like, nope, mm, <laughs> I never want to see you again. I'm gone. I'm noping out of here, guys. Yeah. See ya. Well, uh, after, I'd probably be like, I'm psychic. <laughs> I'm psychic. I'm just, I'm a little bit of witch. That's <laughs> okay. I'm psychic. Uh, (laughs) um, and I have two more stories, so just hang on here for a bit. Okay. On South 6th Street, there is a quaint little Queen Anne house that was purchased by Sister Susan and Linda. When originally purchased, it was definitely a fixer-upper. You know, the house that I want. (laughs) The house that I want, it just needs to be redone, like, couple, like, tear down some walls, and yeah, all that. I love that show. I know, yeah, it's so great. Anyway, the sisters set up and began restoring the home to its original glory. As with most renovations, things began to happen that to most would be unusual. Radios would turn on and off, creaks and groans constantly came up from the stairs. Footsteps and skips were heard on the stair landings, and loud knocks were heard on the front door. Susan began to sense that some things were off with this place. (sighs) Nah, why would anything be off? Not after, you know, uh all of that... All of these sounds you're hearing. I think it's the radio that would really freak me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just wait for it. After the first several knocking incidents, she began waiting by the door come nightfall to see if there were any explanations for the knocking. She would hear the distinct knocks on the glass in front of her, but there would be no one on the other side. Uh, nope. She had the windows checked and was assured that they fit very snugly in their cases. Little things began to disappear as well, usually things that Susan had multiples of, such as smoke detectors. She had purchased four new smoke detectors and had set them down still in the bag. She later came back and found only three. And she had the receipt, and specifically- What would a ghost need with a smoke detector? I don't know. Apparently they just wanted a smoke detector. Uh, sh- this also happened uh, with a set of lance- lamps that she had. She had purchased two uh, Victorian-esque, very pretty, ornate lamps. Oh, uh, you know what? I know what it is. What is it? It's Mothman. It's, it's Mothman, yes. Lamp. 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 They like the lamps and the smoke detectors. Lamp. For the beeping light. Yep. <laughs> anyway, she had the receipt and specifically remembered four being in the bag. While cleaning the mantelpiece in the dining room, a panel gave way to reveal a small hidden compartment. First of all, how no. awesome is that? 
uh, you're like, how awesome. I'm like, uh, no. 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 <laughs> okay, but, like, think of, think of all the things you can hide from burglars in a little, like, it, it, how, a good how little safe. How big is it? Uh, just a little small compartment. Okay. Enough to fit an old black and white photo. Think, like, picture frame. Okay. I was so, thinking, like, a crawl space. No, not that big. Okay. No, not that big. It was in the mantelpiece, so, you know what the mantelpiece is on a fireplace? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I just assumed that, like... You assumed crawl space? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, inside was an old black and white photo of a young girl in an old-fashioned dress. Susan had propped the photo up. Did she have a smoke alarm? <laughs> She probably does, yeah. Uh, Susan had propped the photo up on a shelf, and by the next morning it had disappeared. Yet another thing that disappeared. Uh, the following night, there were three loud raps on the front door and no one was there. Again. Over the following weeks, there were reports of children's footsteps and sightings of a little girl in a white dress. <sighs> so, you know, the picture, little girl, Yeah. Susan, who said she was previously skeptical, was beginning to question herself. Her son, who she claims is not the kind of guy who tends to invent things and make them up, saw the ghost ghost of a little girl on the stairs. Susan began doing tons of research on her home, but it was unable to find any information about this little girl her son had seen. She even brought in a local psychic who confirmed the presence of the little girl. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, uh-oh. Are you talking to her? That's some bad juju there. Uh, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, a similar sighting of the little girl in white had been by Mary Barton. She recalled a time when she was younger, and she and her husband had come to visit her aunt, who had previously owned the home. Previously. Previously. Because she saw that ghost and got out. <laughs> I don't know if the aunt saw the ghost, but Mary did. Oh. Uh, she had walked into the house and started down the hallway when she felt someone watching her. Like, you know how you get the little prickles on the back of your neck? Yes. And, yeah. Uh, she felt someone watching her, so she turned around and she found a little girl watching her with what she said was disinterest. Uh, uh, uh-uh. Yeah. There were also several more unusual incidents that Mary could remember. Doors and windows would open and close on their own. And oh, that's what you like? Like the front door? Or just random doors? I think just random doors. Okay. Uh, she also vividly recounts a time when a large skillet came flying through the air and landed in the sink. What? You know, as if someone was throwing a tantrum about having to do all of the houses, all of the houses, all of the chores in the house, including the dishes. Jesus, sounds like my nephew. He's like, I have to do everything around here. <laughs> Finally, Susan had learned the story behind the little girl. One night, a woman was behind the knocking at the door. This woman who was at the door told Susan that during the Great Depression, her mother, who had been the owner at the time, was forced to take in boarders. One of the renters was a single mother who rented the room at the top of the stairs with her eight-year-old daughter. <sighs> Her daughter, who had behavioral issues, her daughter, who had behavioral issues, was often locked in the room. Oof. Apparently, someone had come knocking on the front door, and the family who owned the house was in the backyard and didn't hear them. So the woman who rented that upstairs bedroom came down to answer the door, but. She forgot to close that door behind her, so before she knew it, her daughter had run downstairs and through the front door and into the street where she was hit and killed by a passing car. Fuck! Yeah, so... Okay, so I've had 
something almost exactly like this happen. Oh, really? Yes, Tell because my brother has autism, mm-hmm. and when he was younger, there was this one time where I don't remember if he was, like, throwing a fit or if he was just upset or what, but we, I don't remember what we were doing, but the next thing we know, like, I turn the corner in the kitchen and the front door's, like, wide open and a car is, like, inches away from him, like, it had just stopped, like, right in front of him. So, that's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. He got, he got really lucky. lucky. Yeah, he got really lucky. So, yeah, no, that... (laughs) I don't know if you want to call fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, It wasn't long after that that the residents began seeing her spirit. Why would that be fortunate? Like, if her mother was still there and, you know, she missed her daughter so much. Yeah, 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 you're right. That's the only thing I could think of for fortunately. That's why I was like, I don't know if you could say fortunately or unfortunately. Well, I don't know because it can be, that'd be very sad. That's so sad. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the sadder ones that I found, but I mean, let's face it, you don't get ghosts without some sort of emotional <laughs> event. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just like, you don't get a few something without something else, you know? I mean, you don't. What's, what's the saying, you don't get a few something without... I don't know. Google. I don't know, but the, um, you know, just like with this little girl being here, probably from being hit by the car... Mr. Avery was in that house because, from what I was reading... Don't get five million friends without making a few enemies. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. But anyway, uh, Mr. Avery was in that house because he loved, like, I mean, he loved that house. So, I mean, emotional moments and whatnot. Yeah. My third and final part of this story, not so much spooky as... Weird. Weird. And fun little quinkadink. 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 Okay, located at 6th and Park... There is a gnarled, knotted, mangled-looking tree decorated with beads, toys... I know about this! <laughs> kind of. I kind of, I vaguely yeah. know about Vague. it. I didn't know anything about it, but I, I just... I loved it when I read it. Tell me about it. Um, okay, so around Halloween time, lots of little witches are, like, surrounding this tree. Like, little toys and all that. This tree is known to the residents as the witch's tree. Yeah. Yeah. The name goes back to a legend that is over 100 years old. Before it was the tree riddled with twists in its branches and knots in its trunk, it was once a big, tall, beautiful maple tree. There was a coven of witches who would meet under this tree nightly to cast spells and brew potions. Huh. You know, just little witchy stuff. Well, in 1889, a gentleman known as Mr. Mangle... Eh. <laughs> That's not a good name. No, it's not. Uh, a gentleman known as Mr. Mangle, who, at the time, was a famous lumber merchant and was head of the May Day Planning Committee, announced to the city of Louisville... The May Day Planning Committee? The May Day. Oh, that's right. You said there was, um... Yeah. Like, May Day... May Day festivities. Did you say that? I did not say that in the first part, but, um, Louisville, apparently, yeah, used to have, like, May Day festivals in celebration of... May? No, not Summer May. Summer solstice. Summer solstice, yeah. Uh, the beginning of the, it was either the beginning of the planting season or the beginning of harvesting. I don't remember which one. I would say May Day, so. Well, it says it is a public holiday usually celebrated on the 1st of May. It is an ancient hemisphere spring festival and a traditional spring holiday in many cultures. Dancing, singing, and cake are usually part of the festivities. So yeah, it's celebrating flowers and planting. 
Uh, anyway, he was the head of the May Day planning committee and announced to the city of Louisville the plans to chop down the witch's tree for the next year's May Day festivities. Mm. So, first of all, you messing with some witches and their favorite tree. Yeah. I was going to say we should go. To May Day? To the tree. The, oh, the tree, yeah. <laughs> Both. The witches would protest as often as they could for their beloved tree and even left a warning or, as some would say, a curse. That read... This does not rhyme very well, so. <laughs> this tree shall stand and not be cut. We fed her with our laughter. Our leafy haven you'll not gut. Or pay forever after, but if you wooden king prevail, and Mother Maple dies, the force of fate shall strike this town and right between the eyes. Damn. If your tree falls, yes, fate will call to teach you, heartless dunce. That all man's work can disappear. Beware 11th month. Yeah, bitch, get it. Yeah, of course. Louisvillians didn't take the witch's threat very seriously and promptly cut the tree down, stripping hmm. it of its bark for use at the May Day poll in hmm. April of 1889. April. Yeah, April, not May. I guess they celebrate the whole month of April until May. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when the maple came crashing down, it is said that a shriek echoed through the neighborhood as the witches fled west of town to find a new ritual tree. After the May Day festivities, the witches and their curse were forgotten about until exactly 11 months later. On March 27th, 1890, an F4 tornado struck Louisville, flattening more than half the city and killing dozens in its path. Oh, hey! Would you look at that? Yeah, would you look at that? Full circle. Many believe that this tornado was conjured up by the witches to exact revenge for their beloved maple tree. It doesn't help that the storm that brewed such a destructive tornado seemed to have made a very special stop. A bolt of lightning struck where the witch's tree once stood, and in a tremendous explosion... A new tree magically sprang up in its place, replacing the tree taken what? from the witches. What? That's what it says. I can only assume that by tremendous explosion, and that it magically popped up, that maybe it had hit the trunk or what was left over, like the stump, mm -hmm. and inside there was maybe a little sprout of a tree growing. I guess. That's, That's the only thing I can think of scientifically, because I, I don't know. Anything else just doesn't make sense. Magic. <laughs> Magic. With its gnarled trunk and bony branches reaching skyward, many believe that the tree is much more befitting of witches now. Since then, the witches have come back and continued to brew their potions and cast their spells. It is even featured in a ghost tour of St. James Court as the final tour spot. Can we go on that tour? Have you been on that tour? I've not been. I would actually really like to go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> we should go at Halloween. The, uh, the tour guides will dare you to touch the tree and feel its powers flow from it to you. It is now considered a place of healing. Hell yeah. It is now considered a place of healing, and every time someone visits the tree, it helps the healing process for both the tree and the person. So, nice Let's little go. positive note. Let's go. Yeah, we should, I mean, we should definitely right now. go. Goodbye, everybody. Let's go. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you everyone so much for listening to our first episode. Is there anything you would like to add? Um, look, this is our first episode. We know it's a bit rough. Um, a little very rough. A little very rough. Uh, we are working on it. The quality will get better. Um, and we will get funnier. Um, <laughs> we could do some, like, 
listener episodes. I would love maybe. to do. I would love to do listener episodes. I love hearing people's stories about. Yeah. Things that happened to them. We could start off with your mom. She could tell me all that stuff yes. that happened in your Waverly. That's also something we could do. We could have like guest speakers come on every once in a while. We could barely get two mics to work. You want to do a multiple? <laughs> no. So we could just like hand the mic oh, over. Uh, okay. <laughs> like we'll, here. We'll share. I'm, yeah. Like here. I'm not gonna talk. So you just you do your thing. Okay. So yeah. yeah. All right. Thank thanks again for listening and see you next week. Bye. Bye.